I'm pumped to be speaking with you guys tonight. And um, we're going to have a lot of fun. I want to have a lot of fun. Uh, let's, I think there's a, there's a slide. Yeah, how to have fun slide. Um, do's, whatever you want. I mean it. Uh, I'm, I'm excited for you to be here. If you like to close your eyes and soak in that information like in class, you can, you can do that here. Uh, if you like to take notes, go ahead. There's things to write down. Uh, laugh lots. Don't be bored. I think that's a good one and not following rules. Uh, okay, uh, next slide. Um, I'm going to pray for the night before I get started up here. It's fitting. <laughs> God, uh, I pray that this can just uh, be your words, be your words through me. Uh, let, let your story um, kind of shine. And just thanks for the opportunity to get to speak to this community. Um, yeah, we love you. I uh, pray this all in your name. Amen. Growing up, I get to grow up on an island. It's pretty cool. You get to take a ferry there. It's called Vashon. It's in the middle of nowhere in Puget Sound. Um, and if you've ever been to my house on island and you go into my kitchen, there's a fridge there. And on this fridge, there's a bunch of pictures of me. Uh, and it's like an evolution of me, starting from age one to 18. Uh, my mom loves to take pictures, and I love getting to go home and see this evolution of Matt every time. Uh, so I'm going to start out telling you guys a little bit about who I am. We're going to go really quick, so pay attention really fast. And we're going to kind of get this evolution of Matt. Here we go. Age one, uh, my head was bigger than my body. Um, age two, here we go. Uh, whoa, um, that doesn't look like the same human. If we go back, I'm like, you can see how round this face is and then go back to age two. It's rectangle now. I don't know what happened. But age three, if we get here, uh, yeah, wow, super cute. I, I rode a Dalmatian named Millie around when I grew up, and I ate Cheerios. That was my life. Uh, age four, this is when I peaked. Um, I wish I looked like that now. Age five, uh, I loved Legos and blocks. That's what I did. Uh, age six, get to go to kindergarten with Miss Basilian. I got a little bit more awkward. Age seven, uh, tough year. Um, I had three teeth. I didn't chew this year. Uh, age eight, I got my teeth back. Um, better. Age nine, uh, I got sent to the principal's office. I don't think my parents know this, but I started a grass war. A classic Vashon. Uh, if you don't know, grass war is where you throw clumps of grass at each other at recess. Um, age 10. Uh, uh, you have to be creative growing up on Vashon to have fun. And so this is when I started building ropes course and climbing trees with some of my friends in the back. Uh, age 11, the collared shirt is gone. Uh, get a little bit more rebellious out there, athletic. Age 12. <laughs> this is the only day that year I didn't wear a sweatsuit, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Age 13. I looked fearless. Wow. Braces come on. Uh, age 14. Mm, I, I think I just farted, probably. Go to age 15. Um, I started to comb my hair. Looked really good. Freshman in high school. Age 16. I bring the collared shirt back, still combing my hair. 
I uh, don't really know what's happening with the style, though. Um, age 17, I've got buzz cut. Uh, I, I'm not pulling it off too well, though, but age 18, yeah, uh, look, look a little bit more innocent, uh, but this was the age of mistakes. You can ask me later. Uh, age 19, get to college, uh, clearly fitting in. Um, age 20, I joined a fraternity. I think I got some brothers out here. Come on. Age uh, 21, um, I got to meet this incredible, incredible woman, uh, Casey Lively in the back. If you don't know her, get to meet her. Uh, agreed to go on a date with me, and I've gotten to go on dates with her since. Uh, age 22, uh, I got a brother. Uh, that's my sister right there, Chrissy. She's awesome. Love her. Uh, she's really similar to me. Uh, she's over in Long Island right now. And then that's my dad, Steve, and my mom, Sue, who are both in the back. And then my brother, Sean, is the gentleman in the middle. Age 23, yeah, there I am. Uh, I'm looking good. Uh, <laughs> but that's kind of the evolution of Matt. And um, yeah, I want to just transition this to the series we're in now of who we're we becoming as a community. And like Mike talked about Acts 2 last week, if you weren't here, uh, he was talking about this first church in the first century and how they were united, but they weren't the same. And this week, we're going to look in Acts 3 and kind of look at how God is shaping us as, as individuals. Um, so if you want to put the text on the screen, and we can kind of get into the meat of this. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man, lame from birth, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive the alms, and Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who say... <laughs> the one who say at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Okay, there's a lot there. Um, actually, it was a funny story. I had three kids read this, uh, and I was going to play that video, but it took them four minutes to read this 10 verses. So if you want to see that video, you can ask me later. But I want to go back to the start there and kind of dive into it a little bit deeper. Thanks. Uh, John is spelled with an H too, but that's okay. Um, so this first verse. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. A little bit of background on this. Uh, in this day, the Jewish day, the day started at 6 a.m. So when they talk about the ninth hour, they're referring to 3 p.m. And there was three hours of worship at this time, 9 a.m., noon, and 3 p.m., and so what they're talking about here is Peter and John are going to the 3 p.m. basically service to worship at the temple. And it's cool to kind of recognize this 
because uh, Peter and John just have their newfound faith from Jesus, but still kind of keep that old discipline of Judaism of going to that worship. And if we continue on, and a man lame from birth being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. Okay, I'm gonna look at this through the lens of three characters in this story. We have the lame beggar, we have Peter and John, and then this third kind of set of characters is the people in the temple. So this first set, the beggar, um, I wanna give some background on him. So in this time, people attributed his condition where he's at to him being a sinner. That was kind of just the common knowledge back then. He is where he is because he's a sinner and he has his condition because he sinned, even though he was lame from birth. Um, and so that was kind of the background on it. And it was also the best stance for him to be outside the temple gate because that's where people would be the most generous in order for him to receive money. And then some other things I wanna keep in the background is it was also prohibited at that time for anyone physically flawed to be able to actively participate in worship, which is kind of cool to note later on in the story. And I just kind of want to keep where he's at in this scene in the back of our minds too, in that he's outside the temple, outside community, uh, under this gate called beautiful. Uh, so kind of be thinking about that as we continue on. Uh, verse four, five. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Okay, there's a lot here. Um, I want to just kind of step back and I would think I'm trying to picture myself in this. And I was like, okay, if I was Peter and John or someone else walking past this guy, I would probably just walk by and just drop money in his hand and not really make that personal contact. I love what Peter and John does here. They kind of lean in and they're like, look at us. And they kind of allow him to look back at him. Uh, and there's a really cool thing he does here is he, he looks back expecting to receive something. Um, it's very difficult to allow people into our lives at that vulnerability of like looking into um, his eyes. And I want to kind of share a little story from senior year, high school. I, uh, I was home alone eating dinner. Um, here we go. I was home alone eating dinner. Um, I was just kind of cutting my steak and potatoes and eating. It was before basketball practice. And I'm just, I'm just going along and I feel a sneeze coming on. Um, and I just kind of like sitting there and it's like about to come and I sneeze, cover myself, but stab myself in the back of the mouth with the knife. Oh, uh, this is the first time my parents are hearing this in the back actually. Um, uh, and I was bleeding everywhere. Uh, I'm sorry, mom. <laughs> but that was the point of it is I didn't allow anyone into it. I didn't call my parents. I didn't let anyone know like I should have. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't allow someone into it. And if we step back and like look at this beggar who allows someone into it, there's really, really good lesson of being able to ask for help, being able to let people into that. <laughs> Sorry, mom. 
<laughs> but I think um, this is really cool. His perspective of he's sitting there thinking he's about to receive this silver and gold, uh, but he has no idea that what he's about to receive is something he wants even more than the money, uh, the ability to walk. And Peter and John um, want, him, want to give him that and kind of realize that. And it's interesting that the lame man simply wanted to be supported in the condition that he was in. And God had something better in mind. Jesus wanted to completely change and transform his condition rather than support it. Uh, and uh, better yet, there's, there's the, the point that I take from this is God wants more from us. And we often have these low expectations and settle for that, that it robs us of um, what we can get. And Peter and John notice this in him. And it's really cool that he extends his hand outward and the beggar has to also accept it for a moment and grab it back and get raised up. Um, and I just want to pause right here. This is, the, this is the God that I see in Acts 3. I see a God that wants to set you free from those things that keep you down, keep you on the curb um, and oppress you. And I want to transition now to the second set of characters, Peter and John. Uh, so if you go back to um, the start of the text, there we go, cool. Um, so let's look at Peter and John for a second. They were walking along and they probably stopped uh, with this guy and that was gonna get them late for their 3 p.m. service by stopping. That's the first thing I love about Peter and John. They're interruptible. Uh, they're able to get stopped and they lean in and they don't kind of run away. They have that intimate eye contact. Um, when I was a freshman in college, uh, it was Valentine's Day. Um, you know, love is in the air. Uh, I was in Chem 142, Guggenheim, big hall. You guys know it. I know you guys learn lots in there. But I was with my friend, and we were just kind of sitting in lecture hall. It was near in the end. I'm sitting again. Um, and I felt... Uh, I felt compelled to start writing jokes with him. A little Valentine's Day, some just soft humor love jokes. And we were just kind of putting them in people's hoods around us, <laughs> just for fun. And I'm, I'm writing this one, and I'm going to put it in this girl's hood. And again, I feel this sneeze coming on. <laughs> and this time I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm like getting up. I'm blocking this. And... Um, I sneeze in this huge, huge booger, you guys, like massive, like goes over my arm, like lands in this girl's hair in front of me. And I'm just like, oh my goodness. And I'm like checking around and no one, no one seems to have noticed. She's, she's still like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and my friend next to me, he's dying, he's dying. Uh, <laughs> he's... I'm, I'm stuck in this phase. I'm like, okay, do I somehow turn this around on him, make it seem like it was him that did this? Do I reach in? Do I, <laughs> like, tap her on the shoulder? Like, what's the best method here? Uh, so I muster, muster up some courage, you guys. I get going um, and kind of take a step forward, and I run out of Guggenheim. Uh, <laughs> and I did not talk to this girl again. Uh, 
This is an example of how not to lean in and how not to stop. Um, Peter and John were interruptible. They were willing to stop and take the time and make eye contact with this beggar. Um, not only were they interruptible, uh, but they weren't afraid to call out what they saw in someone. They saw that he was like worth more and worthy of more, and they were willing and able to call out the goodness in him. And I want us to be a community that does that. Regardless of where you are, I want you to be able to call out the goodness you see in other people. Um, let's continue on here with the text. Uh, verse eight, so you can go to the next one. There we go. Uh, and we're gonna start and leaping. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. I love this image. Uh, it's so cool first that Peter and John walk hand in hand with this guy into the temple. Instead of just inviting him in and hoping he comes in, they walk with him. It's not, it's not fun for someone to walk in alone to somewhere. Uh, and it's really, really cool that Peter and John walk with him. Um, and then beyond that, if we remember back when he wasn't allowed to participate in worship, the first thing he does is he uses his gift he's been given of like this ability to walk and he starts leaping and praising and worshiping as he like is able in his own way. And I think that's so cool that he's able to celebrate with his gift he's been given. And because of the way he's celebrating, all these other people are filled with wonder and amazement. That's a really cool image. Um, and if we look back at what Peter actually said, he said, rise up and walk. And I love that the beggar was kind of like, yeah, I'm gonna do more than walk. I'm gonna leap, I'm gonna praise, I'm gonna jump. And that's incredible. Um, which kind of brings us to this last set of people, the third set, the people in the temple. This is a group that I would naturally assume has the most faith in like God, most trust in God, but Luke, the writer here, kind of flips the script. And it's interesting that they actually seem to have the least amount of faith. As soon as they see this guy who they've known their whole life to not be able to walk or do anything, and they see him leaping and praising and jumping, they immediately think, Peter and John have some superhuman ability to heal people, and it was them. And Peter and John are kind of like, no, no, no. That was God. And it's interesting how they're actually the ones that seem to be getting healed of their disbelief in this story. And it's also interesting that they are the ones that probably have this doing fine mentality. I'm doing great. I'm in here with all my friends chilling, worshiping. It's great in the temple. And I think that's super relatable for me. Uh, when I think about this community, I've been on tons of mission trips with them. I've gotten to go to Peru, Nicaragua, the Dominican Republic. It's been incredible. I've met some of the most amazing people in my life in this community, but there's this mountaintop experience that can sometimes come with that, where you feel like on a high with these best friends that you just met of, wow, I love all these people, and I can get so comfortable with just hanging out with them that I think I got complacent 
with my other communities I was in, in that I ended up not investing time in like my fraternity, hanging out with guys there. And there's this danger that I think can come along with feeling uh, complacent with the place you're in because you're not extending the hand outward like Peter is doing. Because we don't want to just be extending it inward. We want to be going outward too. And I think that's the God that we're seeing in Acts 3 uh, in all the communities that we're in is he's saying we were created to be in communities that bring other people into them and aren't just ones that are comfortable with being in the mountaintop. And the last thing I kind of want to wrap up with here is this interaction of the three. None of these sets of characters would have been able to become the people that they were in this story without one of the others. Peter and John speaking truth into this beggar allowed him to get to believe that and like walk up and jump and leap. And him walking and jumping and leaping allowed the people in the temple to recognize their disbelief. And it's this interaction of being who you are in a community, no matter where you are, allows other people the opportunity to be more of who they are created to be. Um, and so that's just one thing that's always uh, been super, super uh, big in my life is I kind of found this community when I was a freshman, um, after like a low point in my life, winter quarter. And it was because a lot, a lot of people actually in this room right now were the ones that spoke truth into my life. And it's really, really cool to get to have them be here tonight, uh, and kind of come full circle in that, like, there is some incredible, incredible people in this room and you just got to let them speak the truth into your life. And you have to kind of be like the beggar and accept it um, and start believing it. Like even if it just takes grabbing their hand and not fully believing it because uh, it's so, so awesome uh, how much life you can get from just what this community has to offer. Um, my challenge to you is to kind of think about which set of characters you relate with in this story. Uh, the beggar, Peter and John, the people in the temple, or is it like parts of each of them? Because uh, I know I relate to parts of each of them. And my hope and prayer for us is that we can become a community that, like the beggar, allows others in and expects more from God. A community that, like Peter and John, are interruptible and call out the goodness in others. And also a community like the people in the temp temple that celebrate the gifts of each other and what we have and be able to just be ourselves and not be comfortable with just being on the mountaintop. And that, that is who I believe we are coming as this community. Um, would you join me in prayer? God, you are such a good, good father. Um, just as we heard this song, God, uh, I just pray that we can lean into more of who you're creating us to be, Father, uh, and that you can just help us use our gifts um, and just be vulnerable. Let others in, ask for help, be interruptible, God. Um, there's a lot, a lot that you're teaching us, and it's one thing to hear, it, and it's another to take action, God, and I pray that we can be a community that's just tangibly taking action towards uh, being more of who you created us to be. Um, yeah, I'm so, so thankful for this community um, and for all the people in it. Um, yeah, we love you so much, God. Praise all in your name. Amen.